go to Mark chapter 9, and I want you to see a familiar passage of Scripture. Mark chapter number 9, verse number 14. Mark 9 and verse number 14. If you're there, say, I'm there. This is our fourth sermon series in the times of refreshing. Everybody say, times of refreshing. Everybody say, times of refreshing. So, verse number 14, this is our last sermon in the sermon series, Times of Refreshing, and we're going to look at this story about how this man's son was healed. If you're taking notes, I want you to take notes, pay attention, receive from the Lord. Mark chapter 9, verse number 14. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and the scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all of the people were greatly amazed, running to him and greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Verse 17, then one, of the, then one of them from the crowd said, Teacher, I brought my son who is a mute, has a mute spirit, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes angry. And so I, said, so I spoke to the disciples that they should cast the demon out, but they could not cast it out. And he asked them and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? And how long shall I bear this with you? Bring the son to me. Verse number 20, and they brought him to him and he saw him. And immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground, foaming at the mouth. Verse 21, and so he asked his father, how long has, it, has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he throws himself into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you could do anything, have compassion on him and help us. And Jesus answered and said, If you will believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Verse 24. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help me with my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that, that the people came running, he rebuked the unclean spirit and said, Death and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, came out of him, and he became as a dead man. And so many said he was dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he came into the house, the disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast this out? And so he said to them, This kind cannot come out but by prayer and fasting. Lord, open your Open our eyes up to your word today. Let everything that's said and done bring you the glory. Everyone shout a great big amen. So times of refreshing, part four. How can I be refreshed? It's been a hot summer, and we've been looking at Scripture every week about how we can be refreshed as individuals. And so um, even though it's been a hot summer, we can be refreshed in the presence of the Lord, and that's what we're looking at. And so we've come to this story today about a familiar story that you've heard of. It's a story of a little boy being demon-possessed. Now, I know, ladies and gentlemen, that demon possession is not a hot topic, especially for the generation that we live in. Uh, but it, it is real, and there are people who are possessed, and there are situations where it calls for an exorcism. And so I've done several of those in my life. It is not something that we just want to go do, but sometimes you've got to distinguish between mental illness and demon possession. Not everybody, de not everybody that is demon-possessed is demon-possessed. There are some who is mentally ill, 
and they require medication. But then there are some who have a deep spiritual need, deep spiritual problem that has to be addressed spiritually. And so we call that exorcism, which means to cast out. This little boy was possessed from uh, this little boy was possessed since a child. And so it's a it's an odd story. But the story tells us that the father of the child was greatly grieved to the point that the father of the child went to the disciples and asked the disciples, will you cast this demon out? And the Bible says the disciples could not cast it out. But you know in the story that um, Jesus cast the demon out. So the disciples could not cast it out. It was Jesus who cast the demon out. And you will see a picture of this child convulsing, foaming at the mouth, falling on the floor, acting kind of wild. And Jesus, of course, rebuked the deaf and dumb spirit. It comes out of the child, and the child acted as though he was dead. Jesus takes him, brings him up, and the child, of course, is alive and well and delivered from this demonic spirit. Now, I thought about this story, and there's a few things I want you to see in this story, because I think it's important. This story really represents a lot of us. Okay, did you know that the, the man, the man who is the father of this child, and even the child itself is nameless? There is not a name that's ascribed to the father, and there's not a name to the child. They're nameless, and you will find that in the Bible that a lot of stories where Jesus is healing the sick, a lot of people were nameless. The woman with the issue of blood was nameless. We don't know her name. The two blind men. They were nameless. We don't know their name. The ten lepers, they were nameless. We don't know their name. We know blind Barnabas' name, but that's an exception. But most of the healings in the Bible are nameless. They're not ascribed to a name. Now, I thought about that. I wonder why some of these miracles are nameless. Well, maybe because they're nameless because the Holy Spirit wants to put your name there. You need to see yourself in the story. You need to see yourself in this story this morning. This is a Mark chapter 9 miracle, but I want you to see yourself in this story. This story relates to you because number one, the father has a problem. There is a father who has a child. He has a problem. And how many would agree with the pastor today that there are problems all around us? The father has a problem. I mean, there are some problems that last longer than others. There are some problems that's reoccurring. There are some problems that happen in 24 hours. There are some problems that just get on your nerves. How many would raise your hand and say, Pastor, I've dealt with some problems this week that got on my nerves. The Father has a problem. And this story represents to us that we all have problems this morning. All of us have problems. We have problems. It's not if you have a problem. It's when you're going to have a problem. You're going to face situations You're going to face troubles. You're going to face situations in your life where it's going to press upon you and you're going to feel as though it's not worth living any longer. This man had a problem. The problem was his son and his son was grievously vexed by demonic spirits. So the father had a problem. Number two, the problem was his child. The problem was his child. You're going to face situations in your life where you're going to love somebody that has a problem and that problem is going to affect you. Maybe you don't have a problem, but maybe you love somebody that does have a problem and that problem will affect you. Now, I know people will say, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do because it's my life. 
Well, what people fail to realize is that the decisions that you make with your life always affect somebody else. The problems that you create always affect somebody else. Maybe you are not in a situation, maybe you don't have a problem, but there will come a time in your life that you will love somebody that does have a problem and that problem will affect your life. Number two, the problem was the child. How many could relate to that? Raise your hand. You have situations, you have people in your life that you love and they have the problem, but it affects your life. It affects your life. So you see how this story relates to you and I? The father has a problem. Sometimes we got problems. They're big problems, little problems, reoccurring problems, one day problems. I mean, we got problems. Number two, the problem was not, the problem was his child. And sometimes you will love somebody that has a problem and that problem will become your problem. That problem will become your problem. And number three, I want you to see is that the, the, the son's healing, the son's healing was connected to the father's faith. The son's healing was connected to the father's faith. The son's healing was connected to the father's faith. The child is sick. The child is grievously tormented by demons. But the Bible is clear. The Bible is clear in verse number 24. Mark 9, 24. Mark 9 and 24. It says this. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. So ladies and gentlemen, the son's healing is connected to the father's faith. That child could not believe for himself. That child was not in a position to believe for a miracle. But the father was believing for a miracle for that child. Ladies and gentlemen, there'll come a time in your life where you're going to have to believe for somebody that's not believing for themselves. You're going to have to believe for somebody that's not praying for themselves. You're going to have to believe and trust God for somebody that's in the world, that's away from God, that's alienated from God, that don't care nothing about God. Their problems are affecting you. They don't have no faith. But there comes a time in life that your faith will affect them. Somebody say amen. You've got to believe for people. You've got to stand in the gap and pray for people. Hallelujah. Is there anybody in the building that can wave your hand and say, I believe that I can stand in the gap and pray for somebody and my prayers can make a difference. This little boy could not pray for himself. This little boy was in a position he couldn't pray for himself. He couldn't believe God for himself. But the father was praying. The father was seeking Jesus. The father was seeking the disciples. Ladies and gentlemen, there comes a time in our life that we've got to stop just praying for ourselves and let's pray for someone else and stand in the gap for people. There are people that can't believe for themselves. There are people that's so broken, they've lost faith. There is people out there that's so hurt by the church that they don't believe in God any longer. They've walked away from God. They're not trusting God. They're not believing God. They're not praying for themselves. They're not concerned about their spiritual growth. And that's why we're, you've, you've got to come in. They're not praying for themselves, but you can pray for them. Your faith can change somebody else's destiny. Hallelujah. I said your faith can change somebody else's destiny. I'm going to say that again. Your faith 
can change somebody else's destiny. Your belief, your prayers can change somebody else. And I want to remind all the parents this morning that's praying for your children. All the parents this morning that's praying for your children, that's believing God that your children will come in. They may not be praying for themselves, but I am telling you, mother and father, you need to stand in the gap and plead the blood over them, pray over them, speak the word over them, stand in the gap for them, because I promise that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Stand in the gap. Don't give up. Continue to pray over them. Continue to believe God for them. This little boy couldn't believe God for himself, but the father was believing God. The father was believing God for him. Now, you know, when we have problems, they're okay if we can deal with them. But this is when it gets stressful. Can I break it down for you? When problems become reoccurring, that's when we begin to have doubt. Listen, Pastor Josh. When problems become reoccurring, that's when doubt begins to come in. Anybody can believe God for a short amount of time. Anybody can believe God for a short amount of time. But when the time is prolonged, and you've got the same problem that's reoccurring over and over, that's when doubt comes in. Now, how do I know here? Get this. Y'all listening to me? How long was the boy possessed? Since he was very, very little. The father, this, according to commentaries, this boy was probably a, a small teenager. Because he's falling down, he's foaming at the mouth. Jesus picks him up. He's, he's, he's not a baby. He's a young teenager. This boy has had the same problem since he's been a small child. It is no wonder. It's no wonder. Matthew 9.24. It's no wonder. Matthew 9.24. It's no wonder the father said, Lord, I believe. But help me with my why would this father have unbelief? Because his child, his baby, had been sick for so... Listen, listen to Pastor Josh. Doubt begins to come in when problems are prolonged. When problems are prolonged, when problems continue, when problems are reoccurring, when you've got to pray over the same situation a hundred times, when you've got to believe God a hundred times for the same thing, when you've got to ask prayer over the same thing a hundred times, when you believe in God month after month and year after year and day after day and you see no change but it gets worse, that's when doubt comes in and faith begins to leave. It is no wonder this father began to doubt because he's been believing God for a long time, his boy has had the same reoccurring problem for years. And when you've got the same problem, when you've got the same reoccurring problem for years, I promise you, somehow, some way, doubt will try to get in and faith will try to leave. Is there anybody in the booty that can wave your hand and say, Preacher, I have been there before? I've been there before. I've been there before. 
And so what does this, what does this man do? This man says, okay, I, I have this problem. My baby is vexed with demons. So I'm going to go to his disciples. I'm going to go to his disciples and ask his disciples to cast the demon out. Now, everybody stop and look up here. Why didn't he go to Jesus at first? Because the previous verses, Jesus is on Mount Transfiguration. Jesus is with Peter, James, and John. How many remembers the story of Mount Transfiguration? Jesus is on the mountain with Peter, James, and John. Everybody say, Jesus is on the mountain with Peter, James, and John. So why didn't the Father go to Jesus? Where's Jesus at? On the mountain with who? And where are the disciples? At the bottom of the mountain. So this Father runs to Jesus, or excuse me, to the disciples, and says to the disciples, my son is grievously vexed with demons. Can you cast it out? Of course, you know the story. The disciples cast it out. So Jesus is on the mountain. Jesus is praying with Peter, James, and John, and the disciples could not cast the demons out. Is that what the Bible says? The Bible says in verse 18, Mark 9, verse 18. Mark 9, verse 18. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth. So I spoke to his disciples, and they could not cast it out. So the disciples couldn't cast the demon out. Jesus is praying on the mountain. The disciples at the end of the mountain, at the base of the mountain, they can't cast any demons out. Let, let me stop here and say this. What do you do when the disciples fail you and disappoint you? Let's suppose the disciples represent the church. I mean, they're godly people, right? Everybody say the disciples are the church. Let's suppose the disciples are the church and they couldn't even help the man. They couldn't even cast the demon out of the man and the man becomes disappointed. What do you do when church people disappoint you? What do you do when church people who are supposed to be like Jesus and act like Jesus are supposed to do what Jesus does? I mean, it's, I give the man kudos here. I mean, the man, the father, is saying, you know, if, if, if they are his disciples, they probably can do the same thing that Jesus does because they are his disciples, but yet they couldn't do it. What do you do when church people disappoint you? What do you do when church people hurt you? What do you do when disciples fail you? This man who had a grievously afflicted son who was possessed of the devil, who that son had been sick and possessed of the devil since a child, and that man is struggling with his faith. I believe you, Lord, but help my unbelief. And then he goes to his disciples and they couldn't even cast it out. Could it be, hold on, get this. Could it be that the reason the father said, the father said, verse 24, look at it, verse 24, Mark 9, 24, immediately the father of the, ch cried, the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Could it be 
that the reason that the father has unbelief is because church people couldn't even help him. Could it be that the reason that the father had unbelief was not that he didn't believe Jesus, but because he couldn't even believe the disciples, they couldn't help him. How many would testify that we've all been there before? How many could testify that disciples have disappointed you before? Wave your hand. How many can testify that disciples have made you upset and disappointed you and you expected more out of the church, but you got less? Maybe this, maybe this father, maybe this father is struggling with unbelief because he went to the disciples and they could not even cast it out. Maybe he's struggling between two worlds of faith and unbelief. Belief and unbelief. Faith in God and I'm not sure whether I believe it or not. Maybe it's because he had a wrong experience with the disciples. I'm convinced that all of us love God. We all want to please God. We all want to have faith in God. But sometimes his disciples disappoint us. Sometimes the church disappoints us. And because it disappoints us, our faith now is mixed with unbelief. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're shouting this morning. Oh, do you hear the words of this father? I believe you, but help my unbelief. Why is he struggling so much? Because he just went to the disciples and they couldn't help him. He went to church people. He went to Holy Ghost-filled disciples who should be mimicking the works and words of Jesus. Lord, I believe you, but your disciples couldn't help me. Pastor, I love Jesus. I want to serve Jesus, but I had a bad church experience. I had a bad experience with his disciples. I love Jesus, but his disciples disappointed me. I love Jesus, but the church disappointed me. Hmm. Lord, I believe you, but help my unbelief. You know what you learned from this story? This will refresh you this morning. Number one, you learn in this story that disciples, or you learn that church people will fail you. They will disappoint you, number one. Let me just break it down to you. Church people will disappoint you. Or when I refer to disciples, that's who I'm referring to. They're going to disappoint you. They're going to fail you. They're going to disappoint you. This man who had a problem with his son, who was grievously afflicted by the devil, was disappointed with his disciples. He said, Lord, I took them to the disciples and they couldn't do anything about it, Lord. Jesus said, oh, you faithless generation. Referring to the disciples. Faithless generation. How long? 
am I going to have to say the same things to you? How long am I going to have to preach the same sermons to you? I mean, how long do we have to go over the same mountain over and over? Jesus is like, you're a faithless generation. Let me tell you, church people, disciples, they're going to fail you. Pastors are going to fail you. You're going to get disappointed. Because it's people for you. Your spouse is going to disappoint you. No matter what, how much in love you are with them and what good of a hunk they are or sweetie they are, they're going to disappoint you. Church people, disciples, will disappoint you. You can be in the presence of Jesus and disciples will offend you. Disciples can be saved, but disciples sometimes are not changed. Sometimes church folks are the meanest folks around. Sometimes church folks have the most sour look on their face ever. That's why when I told you a few minutes ago, when you come to this church, put a smile on your face, shake somebody's hand, let's create an atmosphere where people want to come to the power and the presence of Almighty God. Let's create an atmosphere for the presence of God. Let's not give the world a reason for disciples to offend them. They can get offended at work. They can get offended on the highway. But when they come to the house of God, let's create an atmosphere where it's loving. The power and the presence of God is here. An atmosphere of expectation. Church people will fail you. Church hurt will hurt you. Mark it down. Circle it in your Bible. It's going to happen. You're going to be disappointed with disciples. You're going to be disappointed with them. But I'm almost done. But this is so, this is so powerful. Y'all ready for this? How many's ready for my few last points? Are y'all ready for this? Because now I know, I know y'all tired, but I just might run around the building here because I want you to see this. Yo, y'all ready for this? So the man is disappointed. Disciples couldn't cast out the demon. Okay. But look at the context of the story. Ready? Verse number 14, Mark 9, 14. Look at what happens here. Mark 9, 14. Look at what happens here. And when he came to his disciples, stop. Who is he? Everybody say Jesus. And where was Jesus at? Where was he at? Everybody say Jesus was on the mountain. With who? Peter, James, okay, so Jesus is on the mountain, and now, at the, listen, at the bottom of the mountain, what's happening? The man has the boy who is possessed, and all the other disciples are at the foot of the mountain. They couldn't cast the demon out. So that's what's happening at the foot of the mountain. Jesus is coming down from the mountain, and when he came to his who? How many disciples? Nine, right? Because how many was with him on the mountain? Okay, so him and the three disciples come down to the nine disciples and he saw a great multitude around them and the scribes disputing with them. Now, the scribes were teachers of the Bible or the Word of God. So, in other words, they used the word disputing, but it's not that strong. They were discussing the Scriptures at the foot of the mountain. So, 
Get this. Where is Jesus at? With how many disciples? Three. He comes down from the mountain with three. And at the foot of the mountain, you have the who? The, the father. You have the demon-possessed man, right? You have the nine disciples who could not cast it out. And then you got what? The teachers of the what? Law. So they're at the foot of the mountain. And they're all talking Scripture. Now, I don't know what they were talking about. So the boy is convulsing. The father is crying. The nine disciples is around. They, they're like, I can't cast it out. The teachers of the law are over here looking at the Bible. And Jesus is coming down the mountain. I'm about to shout up in here. Who disappointed the man? Disciples. They couldn't do it, right? He's a sick boy. Now, most people, when church people upset you and disappoint you, we want to leave. Forget it. I'm going to go to another church. Forget it. That's, that's just how immature people are. So they just, oh, I'm just going to leave because the church hurt me, the disciples disappointed me, so I'm going to leave. But... This man, although he was disappointed with the disciples, he never left the disciples. He never left the base of the mountain. Why did he not leave the base of the mountain? He didn't know Jesus was coming. He didn't leave the base of the mountain because somebody was reading the Word. Somebody, the scribes of the law, was teaching the Word. And I want to let you know today, you can stay in a church even though you are offended and hurt if the Word of God is being preached, if the Word of God is being proclaimed, if the Word of God is... Oh, I'm about to shout up in here. You don't go to church because everybody likes you. You go to church because the Word is being preached. Come on, somebody. So this man, although he was disappointed with the disciples, he didn't leave the disciples. He didn't leave the base of the mountain. He stood there because they were talking the Word of God. Woo. And I don't know about you, but I can stay anywhere where the Word of God is talked about. I can stay anywhere where the Word of God is preached. I can stay anywhere where the Word of God is lifted up and exalted. Hallelujah! So instead of focusing on everybody that hurts you and you're disappointed in, focus on the Word that's being preached. Hallelujah! I said focus on the Word that's being preached. So the scribes are talking the Word, disputing the Word. And that man, that father of that child is standing right there as they're talking the Word. He didn't leave. He didn't leave because he's disappointed. He didn't get upset. He stayed around because the Word was being preached. The Word was being talked about. The Word. Let me tell you something. When the Word is preached, or the Word is talked about, now I know the scribes didn't like Jesus, but Jesus can always use somebody that don't like Him. He used a donkey. Come on, somebody. 
These scribes were talking the Word of God. And any time, listen, any time the Word is being preached or talked about, Jesus will show up. Because where was Jesus at? On the mountain. Jesus came down with three disciples, and when He came down, they were talking the Word. They were discussing the Word. They were disputing the Word. Jesus always comes to a group of people where the Word of God is preached, where the Word of God is taught, where the Word of God is lifted up. Hallelujah! Right there, right there, Brother Joel. In the midst of them talking the Word, at the base of the mountain, Jesus comes down from the mountain. And He comes right down from the mountain and the Bible says he walks right into it. Hallelujah. I said he walks right into it. Verse 14, look at it. And when he came to his disciples at the foot of the mountain, he saw a great multitude around them of the scribes disputing, talking the Word, discussing the Torah, discussing the five books of Moses. Verse number 15, immediately, immediately, when they saw him, all of the people were amazed and running to him, they greeted him. So why were they at the foot of the mountain? They were talking the Word. There were lots of people at the foot of the mountain listening to the scribes. <clears throat> Verse number 16, And he asked the scribes, listen, what are you discussing with them? What are you talking about? And obviously, who's in the crowd? At the foot of the mountain, you have who? You have nine disciples. You have the father and the demon-possessed boy. And you have some teachers of the law all at the foot of the mountain. And you have a crowd of people. Jesus coming down from the mountain. They're discussing the Word. Jesus gets down to the bottom of the mountain. He says, what are you talking about? What are you all talking about? And in the crowd, the father raised his voice. He was in the crowd. Verse 17, he he said, teacher, hey teacher, I brought my son. He had a mute spirit. They were talking the Word. They were all discussing the Scriptures. Somebody in the crowd said, teacher, I have a, a son who is mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, foams at the mouth, he gnashes his teeth. I spoke to your disciples, but they couldn't do it. Now isn't that embarrassing? He said it right in front of them. I spoke to your disciples, but they couldn't do it. And he answered them and said, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? Bring that child to me. Because anytime the Word is being preached, anytime we're discussing the Word, miracles will show up and Jesus shows up. I said, Jesus, and then verse 20, and then they brought him to him, and when they saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. He fell to the ground. Listen, listen, listen. Because anytime Jesus is in the place, something's going to get messy. Some, some agenda is going to be thrown out the, the, the window. It got really messy there. It, people are like, uh, you acting crazy. Foaming at the mouth, convulsing, falling on the floor. Because when Jesus shows up, things begin to get a little messy. Verse 21, He asked the Father, how long has this been happening to Him? 
He said, from childhood. How often he's thrown himself in the fire to the water to destroy. He's tried to kill himself. But Lord, if you can do anything, stop. This man is doubting Jesus. If you can do anything. I think the word should have been since you can do anything. Somebody better help me shout up in here. Since you can do anything. But the man said, oh, if. Dude, you don't even know who you're talking about. Dude, you don't even know who's standing in front of you. you got a water walker right in front of you. you got somebody can raise a dead man out of the grave after four days. Don't you be coming up in the presence of God saying, if. You better come up in the presence of God saying, since you raised the dead, since you walked on water, since you healed the blind, since you gave sight to blind Bartimaeus, I know you can heal my son who is grievously afflicted. Somebody better help me preach a little bit. You see, this man was so vexed with unbelief. Why did he have unbelief? He had unbelief because the disciples disappointed him. If you can do it, Lord. Your disciples couldn't do it. If you can do it. Help me. That's the way church people are. Don't ever judge Jesus based on the weaknesses of His followers. Can I just say that again? Don't you ever judge Jesus based on the weaknesses of His followers. Don't you ever leave the church and get hurt because you're offended and hurt and give up on God. Don't you give a black mark to Jesus because disciples disappointed you. Don't, don't, you, don't you do it. Well, I'll just leave and go to another church. We got so many church splits. I'm so tired of crazy Pentecostals splitting this church, splitting that church. You don't see that happen in the Methodist church, do you, or the Catholic church? Because you can't do that there. But Pentecostals, we're so free. Well, I'm free to do this and I'm free to do that. We just go do whatever we want without any boundaries or stipulations because we all think we're so free all the time. Jesus speaks to me. Jesus told me this. It's amazing that Jesus talks all the time, but yet people are still sleeping with one another, not tithing, acting like a fool at the restaurant, but you had feathers fall on you and gold dust fall on you, and you're still not changed, and you're still not growing in God, and you're still not acting like a believer. Can I have somebody say, I don't care what experience you had, the same Holy Ghost that knocked you on the floor better be the same Holy Ghost that makes you get up and walk straight. Don't you judge Jesus based on the weaknesses of His followers. Ooh, 
I tell you what, I just, can we take a, y'all know what it is in the old church. We used to have what called the praise break. We just took a few minutes and just did a praise break. Can we just do that? Can we take about, I don't know, 30 seconds and give a praise break up in here? Hallelujah. Can, is it, can we just do a praise break? Can you just say, Lord, I thank you. You never failed me. You never gave up on me. The church has hurt me. The church has walked out on me. But you have never, you have never walked out on me. Woo! You've never given up on me, Lord. I can always count on you. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody give him glory. Give him praise. He's glory. He's honored and magnified. Hallelujah. Give you glory today. I give you glory today. Hallelujah. I'm not going to give up on the church just because somebody hurt me looked at me wrong. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody lift your hands and give him praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't you judge Jesus based on the weaknesses of his followers. People say, well, I go to church if I was hurt. That pastor was a no good pastor. Boy, that pastor, he stole all the money. When I was going years ago, that pastor stole the money. He, he did this, he did And guess what? Pastors are going to do that because pastors are human. But I'm going to tell y'all something before I go home and eat my chicken. I'm going to tell y'all something. Is that all right? Can I tell you something? Let, let's, re, let's reverse. Let's reverse this thing. Jesus is where? With how many disciples? He comes down, and who's at the foot of the mountain? The Father, the Son, the teachers of the law, and nine disciples and a bunch of people. This church people are going to fail you. Church people are going to hurt you. Disciples are going to fail you. They're going to disappoint you. Okay? We know that. We know also that the Father didn't leave. He stayed at the foot of the mountain even when He's disappointed because... The Word of God was being taught. The Word of God was being discussed. And you can stay anywhere if the Word of God's being preached. So he, he didn't leave. Number three, we know Jesus shows up when the Word is being preached. The Word is being taught. Jesus shows up. <laughs> Are y'all ready for this? Everybody say I ain't ever going back to church because they're all the same. It's like somebody has a bad marriage and that woman thinks all men are scum. All men ain't scum. I ain't scum. I ain't scum. I don't believe in microwaving. I believe in marinating. I've been marinating a long time. I ain't no scum, folks. Somebody had a bad marriage and they just write somebody off. Or people have a bad church experience, well, you know what they do? They write them all off. But it's interesting, you go to the doctor, and the doctor can give you a wrong diagnosis. You get mad at him, I can't believe they're all after my money, jacked up my insurance. You know what you do? You go find another doctor. I don't know why you do, people just leave the church and shut the church out, because it's immaturity is what it is. But hold on. Nine disciples... Three where? Who disappointed the man? The father. 
The what? Non-disciples. So that tells me not all church folk are alike. Did you hear me? There's still three church people on the mountain. There, oh, I'm about to preach. There are still church people who love Jesus. There's still three. There's still church people who sing to the Lord. There's still church people who live right. Not everybody's the same. Not everybody's going to treat you the same way. There, be, there may be nine disciples that disappoint you, but there's going to be at least three disciples that's living right, that's walking in holiness, that love God, that's faithful, that will give their all. Not every church person is alike. So instead of counting the church out, you've got to remind yourself there's always a Peter, James, and John. Dear pastor... Is anybody living right? Anybody love Jesus? Seems like nobody loves Jesus anymore. Nobody's living. You can get real discouraged. Jesus said wheat and tares grow together. Jesus said don't, don't, don't mess with it. Let it all grow together. Because in the end, He'll separate it all. Listen, I'm not going to walk through the aisle and say you're living right and you're living right and you're not living right. You get... I can't do that. Wheat and tares all going to grow together. Because in the end, at the resurrection, the Master will go through the field and He will separate the wheat and the tares. So therefore, we're letting it grow together. But I'm going to let you tell, anytime there's tares, there's going to be hurt feelings. Anytime there's tares growing with the wheat, there's going to be disappointment. But you've got to focus not on the nine people that disappointed you. You've got to understand that there is a Peter, James, and John that's not going to disappoint you, that will stand with you, that will pray with you, that will walk with you. Oh, hallelujah! If you don't like Matthew, go find Peter. If you don't like Judas, go find John. There's a Peter, James, and John. And I prophesy in this church that there is Peter, James, and John's in this building. I said there's Peter, James, and John in this building. You're not at the foot of the mountain. You've been at the top of the mountain in prayer with the Lord. I promise you, if Peter, James, and John was at the foot of the mountain, they could have cast the demon out because they were on the mountain praying with the Master. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Why do you have unbelief, sir? I thought the disciples could do what Jesus can do. I'm disappointed. Why are you hurt? Because I thought Christians should act like Christ. I should be able to come to church and feel loved and accepted and honored. Not come to church where people fold their arms and act mad and upset. That's what the world does. The world has the attitude. The world has the problem. Not here. Not in this building. In this building, there's a different atmosphere. Let your kingdom come as it is in heaven. Let it happen on earth. I want whatever's up there to come down here. 
I have too much of the world. I want a little bit of heaven on earth. But pastor, I'm not like that way. The devil's lied to you. You got hands. You can shake somebody's hand. You got a mouth. You can open up and compliment somebody. You got eyes. You can see. You can observe. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on I wanted whatever's up there. You know why I said you need to cultivate an atmosphere? You need to cultivate the kingdom of God. And what is the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom of God is not meat or drink. It's righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Ghost. This should not be a sad place. This should be the most joyful place in Galena and Joplin and the surrounding area. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Did you hear what I said? This is a time of celebration, a time of lifting His name. Church folk are going to hurt you. Disciples will offend you and disappoint you. Don't leave. Stay where the Word is preached. Jesus shows up. Miracles occur. Not everybody's like the nine. There are some like the three. Now why did I preach this sermon this morning? Is there a reason? Nope. No reason at all. No problems. I just preached it because if the devil does do anything in the future, you can rewind your mind and say, I heard a word. I heard a word. Can I hear an amen? I, I heard a word. Because when you get a hold of this revelation... It refreshes your soul to know that disciples will offend you. Jesus never offends you.